racist was on the 9th of June 1862 on a summer's afternoon I took the bus to Bamberg's and she was heavy laden The way we went along Collingwood Street that's on the road to Bladen Hello and welcome to Coming Home Newcastle's number one podcast, CHN Radio. I am your host, Greg Troxell, and we are at episode 24, the Kobe Bryant episode. I'm with a man who plays Red Dead Redemption 2 while he records the podcast, Elijah Newsom. Yeah, that's entirely accurate. I'm so good at, you know, games that involve violence. Yes. Yes, I'm actually so bad at. How many elbows to the face have you given on Red Dead Redemption? Zero, because I don't (laughs) own the game. (laughs) Um, I can tell you how many red cards I've gotten for my FIFA Pro Clubs team. Yeah, six. Six Six reds. Yeah, six reds, and I'm a left mid. It's not like a. (laughs) It's not like I'm a center backer. No, I play left mid. Yeah. Well. Here, or a right back playing center. But we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, we'll get there. Why don't you guys give us a follow at Coming Home NUFC? You can follow us on our uh, podcast account, which is at CHN underscore radio, and go to our glorious website, comminghomenewcastle.com. Guys, this is the last episode for the time being that I am recording from Atlanta, Georgia, as I will be moving to Las Vegas at the end of this week. It's true. Yeah. It's, but why did you say for the time being? Like, is well, there a like, possibility that we just have an emergency episode? Like, if the club gets sold tomorrow, are we having an episode? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Or, like, say I'm here for like a UJ football game and we're going to record a podcast while I'm still here or a wedding or visiting my brother, whatever it may be. Okay. Just, all right. That's all fair. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I'm, I won't say forever because that would break my heart. That would, yeah. It'd break your heart. Bless your heart. Yeah. Bless my heart. All right, so let's get into club news. Uh, we, I, just something that we'll just gloss over. We mentioned, and maybe we'll start doing this more often, because we mentioned that the NU, uh, Newcastle's U18s have been awful, miserable, terrible, atrocious. Hot and garbage. they immediately win following our – so <laughs> thank you, avid listeners – and UFC U18s. <laughs> yeah. So take, radio, take, avid taking the criticism to heart. Yeah. <laughs> so they beat, they actually were just eliminated in the FA yeah, Youth Cup to Norwich. They immediately turned around and played Norwich and beat them two to one. Uh, Jack Young with both goals. Young Jack Young. He had a, um, he had two goals both in the last 15 minutes of the match to take the lead. Uh, actually, all three goals in the match were scored in the final 15. So uh, it was a great ending there. But uh, so congrats to them. They finally got three points. It's been a while. So their last one was against, I, oh, no, it wasn't Sunderland. It was the match at Wolves. They beat Wolves, and that was like years ago. But really, it was like August. A while. So that's it for that one. Uh, next thing, let's talk about the Checker J Trophy. As you may know, we dismantled Macclesfield Town in penalties 
The first time in, I believe it's 144 years that the club has lost in penalties. Yes. And Elias Sorsen is great. By the way, they won today. Again. And we were drawn in the, in the final 16 of the Checker Trade Trophy against the Mackums. So let me just set this up for you. And then, Elijah, I want you to just to trash something because you're good at it. Newcastle United's under-21 squad will face Sunderland's first-team squad. L- sorry, League One Sunderland's first-team squad in the round of 16 in the Checker Trade Trophy at the Stadium of Light. That is just a glorious sentence. That's all I have to say. What do you have to say? I'm just saying that if if are you 21s beat Scum Scumderland 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 <laughs> like there's literally nothing any Sunderland fan can say to that can like remotely redeem them like they like they can't they they can't say anything to us like our club could get like our club could file for bankruptcy and we would still have hey our B team beat your A team in a cup oh my gosh yeah like <laughs> it would be never ending. It'd be so bad. Yeah, and I saw a couple God. tweets that I, I completely agree with. One said it's a, it's a win-win. If we lose, it's their first team beating our U21s. And if we win, like our U21s just beat their first team. <laughs> so it's literally – it's well, it, there's not a scenario where it could go wrong for us. True. Because you, you would expect a first team to beat U21s. But man, if we win, if Elias Orson gets a hat trick, it's statue time. Yeah, it, it actually it's it's that it's that time. It's yeah. that time of the year. It's yeah, that. it is that time. It's Christmas. Yeah. Father Christmas gets Elias and Sorensen. Wow, Elias and Sorensen, Elias Sorensen tattoos and statues. You said tattoos and statues. Yeah, Father Christmas. Oh God! With Elias Sorensen's face on his left pectoral muscle. Oh God. And a statue, just I want a statue like that Alan Shearer statue outside of St. James's. I want Elias Swords and riding piggyback to him. This is a very interesting statue you've created. Yes, and also an image of like a fat man with an Elias Swords and tattoo like on his pectorals, which I wouldn't even say are pectorals because Santa's fat, so like just some man boobs, and that's like an image I can't get out of my face. So. You're welcome. Thanks. Thanks for that. You're Greg. welcome. I hope everyone listening is like <laughs> that like burns their eyes for the rest of the day. Yo, I'm still on it and it's not going to happen. And even Rafa has kind of said it's not going to happen because he's meeting with Ben Dawson to talk about the best loan clubs for Sorensen. But I'm like, man, he does. He deserve a shot like 18 goals before Christmas. My gosh. All right. Let's move oh, on. Hey, real quick. Yeah, real quick. Uh, if you if you want to read more about you know Elias Sorensen and what people from our site think about him, uh, our site manager Brian put up an article. Check that out about Rafa Benitez doing exactly what Greg just said and saying Rafa should not consider any moves for Sorensen in terms of loans until at least he's given an opportunity with the first team. But yeah, it's a it's a good read. Yeah, I, I've said it a bunch that. The RU23s, it's not a daycare. It's the minor leagues. It's an opportunity to make it to the first team. And I, what else could he do to make it? Like, he's done more than what anybody would have expected. Coming from the U18s directly into 
this competition and to succeed like that. I mean, we haven't had somebody score like this. I don't even, I don't even know when the last time our U 23s had an 18 goal score in a season. He's done it before Christmas. So, yeah. All right. Um, sticking with the U 23s. Let's talk about Florian Lejeune, man. We got that wrong. Yeah, <laughs> we, we got that wrong. We screwed that one up. <laughs> yeah. That was well, like the first like 10 episodes of our podcast. We're just bashing people for thinking Florian Lejeune was even close. Yeah. Coming back. You know, contrary to popular belief, we're not perfect. Yeah. We're really close to perfect. Yeah. But in this scenario, we're, we're probably just not. Um, Wait, Greg. Te- remind everybody. Can I point something out? Yeah. Because this is what I think was this, this, the confusion. So the Newcastle, I remember when they released this, they said – they just said, what is it called? Interior cruciate injury, whatever it's called. Yeah, ligament. They said cruciate ligament. They said there was an injury to his ACL, basically. And we all just assumed it was a torn ACL. And like now, given the timetable, I've now realized that we just assumed it was a torn ACL, and it just probably wasn't a torn ACL. Because if you look at the language other clubs use, like Joe Gomez, I think, did he? Someone just ruptured their ACL. I think it was Joe Gomez. Someone just ruptured their ACL, and the team put out a report. It was, I, mean, it was, I don't remember who it was. They put out a report, like, and they were like, this guy ruptured his ACL, which is essentially tearing your ACL. But that's not what happened when Florian Lejeune uh, injured his ACL. They just said it was, a, it was an ACL injury. So it, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was a strain. I don't really know because it's a <laughs> ligament. I've never heard of a ligament being strained. But there's a possibility that – we were just misinformed by the club. Ergo, it's not our fault. It's the club's fault for being bad at telling us stuff. Yeah, I, yeah I'm, I'm really interested to see all of – like, I mean, I'm happy he's back. And, and we'll get into this, but maybe with you know, the recent play of LaSalle's could be a nice addition, which I would never expect it to say that. But um, I don't know. It's – it's it's definitely going to be interesting coming up because we do have depth and it's just at center back. <laughs> yeah. So it, it is going to be. I, I don't know. I, I I'm happy he played. He played 45 minutes and he was subbed. So yeah. Um, and there was there was some question on why he was subbed. People were like he was shaking his head coming off the field. Okay, just pro tip for anyone. You don't come off four months of injury and then immediately play 90 minutes. That's just not how any – that's not how that works at all. Or or yeah. even 45. Yeah, 45 I mean, is a lot too. And I wouldn't even say that he's 100% back now. I, I mean, th- that could have been a test. All right, let's see yeah. how far along you are. Play play 45 in the U23s. Take it easy. Don't take any risks. And then let's let's report back tomorrow and see where we're at. You know, that, that could have easily been what it is, and he could still be a month or two away. I mean, we, yeah. we don't really know. Uh, because, you know, playing in U23s versus a Prem is completely different. I know I'm arguing the line sources should be called up, but it's a, it is. A, it's a whole different game. So I think a player of the quality of Lejeune could handle 45 at that level um, if he's been playing in La Liga and the Premier League very well for the last few years. Yeah. Uh, even after an injury. So, yeah, something yeah. something to watch, but great recovery times. If it was a torn ACL, like that's that that's doctor, ridiculous. The doctors should sell their knowledge to the world, be millionaires instantly. Not that they yeah. already are. That's true. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know. If they're working for Newcastle, maybe not. Yeah. 
wow. <laughs> you were on, you're all the money. <laughs> I'm just, just throwing that one out there. <laughs> all right. Let's talk into the most, probably the most, uh, I guess, talked about topic is once again, we're here before January talking about takeover rumors. Uh, what do you got? Um, we got Craig Hope basically saying, uh, and this is a direct quote from him, takeover sources. Yes, that sounds ridiculous. Insists that this morning that the ball is in the court of the would-be buyers and Mike Ashley is waiting for them to produce the money and buy New- Newcastle United FC. Um, so that is the latest news out of the takeover camp. Yeah, and to me, that, that says to me that, so you have your due diligence period where everybody checks everything out. It's like, th- look at it as like you're buying a home. I, I've been going through that process, <laughs> both selling and buying uh, a lot recently. And, you know, you do your due diligence period where you're, you're going to offer on the home. You want to you check the siding of the house. You want to check the interior, make sure there's no leaks. Do all, do all of your prep work on that end before you have a firm offer in place. That's, that's your goal, at least. That's why you walk through homes beforehand. I think that's what the sources are saying there, that Peter Kenyon did that. He did that walkthrough. And now Mike Ashley is now saying, okay, well, you know, you've, you've seen my house a couple of times. Are you going to put in an offer or not? So I think that's, to me, that's where I'm saying this. That's what I'm interpreting. It, am I, are we on par here? Are we a little off? Yeah. I, I'd like to know what takeover sources means. Because, because <laughs> you claim it, it sounds ridiculous. Well, yeah, because, because I mean, a lot of people have been saying things like, Sources close to the club or just sources in general. So I don't know. I I don't know if this means that this news was leaked from potential buyer. I don't know. But I do want to say the the replies in this are pretty spot on. There is the cue that Ashley's getting frustrated headline. Then Mike is committed to investing in the club after (laughs) after Big Pete rides off into the sunset to meet Stavely at the Bistro uh, because that's (laughs) essentially what happened last year. Um. There's a lot. There's just it's great. It someone said <laughs> this is my favorite. Someone said seriously, if this doesn't happen, we need to storm St. James Park and take control. And someone replied, Storm St. James? Fans can't even do an eleven minute walk and or agree about a boycott. Like, <laughs> You're right. <It's> fair. <laughs> yeah. And then I guess the last one is uh interesting that he's allowed parties to go through every aspect of the club's finances without even knowing if they have the money. Which is like <laughs> Yeah. That's so a, true. That's a, but, but that's also just like, huh, not surprised that out of all the terrible business decisions, like Mike Ash would make something, a business decision like that. Like, yeah. we're just like, huh, yeah, you can look at to see, look at this club and see if it's really worth what I'm, with that, what I'm saying and not actually have any money. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. Uh, it's it's going to be real. It's going to be fun uh, to see what, what, what happened. What's next? Yeah. Oh, and the other thing is, and I was just in such a bad mood the other day, I think Saturday, because there was some news that like someone like people are crazy and they're like monitoring, they're, they're checking flight paths and looking at, oh, this this flight left from San Diego to Newcastle, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, OK, whatever, you're weird. And please, I hope I'm never famous enough where people are stalking my flight paths. Um, and then there's like this whole. Newcastle have amended their club constitution and they've amended these particular amendments that haven't been touched since like 1999 and people are freaking out over that. And, and I'm just like, 
I'm not surprised the club's amending something in their constitution uh, that hasn't been updated in 21 years or like almost 20 years. It's like, and and at that time that had nothing to do with the sale of the club. The club wasn't sold in 1999. It's just like everyone's grasping for straws. And it's like to the point where it's like people are expecting something to happen. Like by the end of next week, like we just have a new owner by the end of next week because I don't know why. So, yeah. And I I say the same thing and and some guy, kind of tried to call me out on Twitter about this too. Cause I, I tweeted and said, Hey, like Mike Ashley just comes on and for the first time admits that he's selling the club and wants it done. And then all of a sudden, all these sources are coming out of the woodworks saying, Oh, this person's interested. Oh, Arthur blank. Oh, this, 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 this. Like if they didn't have it before they, if they had it before they would have reported it. I know there's one reporter that said he didn't because it was washed up, but it just seemed pretty interesting how all these sources yeah. came out. So I said, don't believe it. And the guy, guy called me out and was like, <clears throat> he was like, you know, show me sources that you say it's fake. So I sent him the, the source that Arthur Blank's rec, rep say he's not interested. So then they say the Peter Kenyon news. They, they sent it back. They said, oh, what about Peter Kenyon? And literally the source says, understand that Peter Kenyon is interested in buying Newcastle. You know, I'm interested in buying Newcastle. Yeah. Like, it doesn't that's, matter. that's like when I, I've been wanting to do this for so long, but I, every year, cause I write a lot of the transfer primers and I think if, I think I've handled the majority of transfer related like news on our site. And I've just one day just wanted to write stuff, something like Newcastle interested in Mbappe and it just be three sentences. Newcastle have sent scouts to the world cup to, to look at promising young teenager, Kylan Mbappe, who looks to be a good talent. That's oh it. God. You should do because it. Like, because, like, you can That's be my biggest inter- pet peeve. Yeah, like, you can be interested in so much and never act on it, which is what humans do all the time. So, yeah. I don't know. I mean, the only thing that makes it a little less suspicious is that pretty much everyone is saying, like, they got some, they heard rumblings about this a couple weeks ago and they just didn't want to report on it because they were tired of reporting on transfer stuff. Yeah. And then they reported after Mike Ashley, which, like, if I was in their situation, I'd probably do the same thing. But other than that, I'm just like, this sounds very convenient. I mean, I genuinely think there's probably interest. I don't think that the, that it's just going to get done. I just don't think it's going to get done. That's just my personal opinion. What? Mbappe that, or the takeover? <laughs> I, I, I'll put this. I'll put it like this. I have more faith that we'll sign Mbappe than we actually saw the club before January. <laughs> yeah. 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 Just, just know, like, and I said this to the guy too, like the same guy that called me out. And I was like, I was like, you know, there's no, there's no prep. None of his reps, none of Peter Kenyon's reps have said he's interested, nothing like that. And he responded and he was like, okay, but has it, have they denied it? Like, <laughs> like Dude, guys, I, guys, I understand. We're all excited. We're all excited, but just like, you know, Jeff Bezos hasn't denied his interest for Newcastle. That doesn't mean he's interested in buying Newcastle. Like, <laughs> guys, just like let the process play out. And I and like we said, we've said this before. If a takeover happens, no one will know until it's yeah. done. Like, no yeah. one will know. Yeah, people could get on the trail and, and get close to it, but no. What when it's done? There's non-disclosures. It's laced up by lawyers all the way through. We won't know until it happens. Like, and so even let's, let's calm down. Yeah, and and. Like that's obviously proof and proof is in the pudding. Like even if it's the Kenyan group, we know that the only thing we know about that group is that Kenyan doesn't have the money himself. 
but he's got yeah. some sort of consortium. Like, we don't know any of the people who are actually going to own the club. Like, if the club gets sold, it's not going to be sold to Peter Kenyon. He's just going to be made CEO of the club, and it's going to be owned by other people. So, like, if the, like, like Greg said, if the sale happens, like, you won't know who's a potential owner. You won't know, like, who, you know, like, what the details of the deal are going to be ahead of the time. Like, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a lot. But let's move on. Let's move on. Yeah. So, going to more club news. Yeah. We have been linked with Miguel Amaron. Again. And, after yeah. not being linked with Miguel Amaron. <laughs> yeah. We're always linked with Miguel Amaron. Now, do you want to uh, – how do you want to do this? Do you want to talk about the links more or do you want to just go straight into his dad? Yeah. So, we'll, I'll, I'll do the timeline. All right? Okay. So yeah, yeah. Is, yeah. You take this. All right. So, we got a timeline here. Um, all right. So – we have Roberto Rojas on the show. We released that episode. Rojas and everyone else all finds out at the same time. The reports denied that there was a loan offer put in. Um, Atlanta United claimed they, won't, they don't want to do a loan. That's the big news. And they want more money, which not surprising. Rafa then confirms that an official bid wasn't put in. Um, we do know that Newcastle's director of recruitment or whatever was in Atlanta, was negotiating. I think he did return before the actual MLS Cup. Um, and so that's kind of where we were left until Saturday. Um, and then Saturday, the MLS Cup was played. Um, also, in related news, that we'll hit on in a second, Copa Liber- Libertadores, I cannot say that, but everyone knows the big South American Cup between Boca Juniors and River Plate. That was finally played uh, the same weekend. So all that happened. And then today, we get linked to Almiron again because, and by the way, as much as Roberto Rojas, and I'd like to say this, shout out to Roberto um, because he's still kind of generating all the news surrounding Almiron because this story only gained traction because Roberto tweeted this as well. Um, this comes from Bruno Pont. I'm not going to read it in Spanish, but Miguel Almiron uh, added some fire to the flame of the rumors of his future son, of his son today. He will definitely go to England because what's left to be decided is to what club, but Newcastle is the one with the advantage. So basically his dad's confirming that right now out of that one, something that we kind of already knew Miguel wanted to go to England. This was confirmed over the weekend as well um, in various interviews, whatever. And now we're, we found out that Newcastle is essentially the front runner um, and the ball's kind of in their court. So that's, that's the biggest news concerning McGomeron that we all know. Now, Greg. Oh, yeah. You ready for the truth bomb? Tell me. Tell me it. So, so this is like, it's about to get really, like, under the English fans, I'm going to write an article about this, like, after this podcast, because it's going to be hard to explain to a lot of the English people because this is a stupid American concept. But right now, uh, so after the Copa the Libertadores final, I'm just going to butcher it every time. Um, the kind of the hero of uh, of River Plate's team, uh, Pitti Martinez, who's a winger, uh, who he scored a goal, scored like the goal to help them win the game. He was interviewed in Spanish after the match, and he said that he was going to Atlanta United. Um, he said he was going to Atlanta United, and this is his quote, I thought a lot with my family and with my agent, and it's a league that has grown a lot, and we hope to continue making history at that club. Um, and he says that he's going to join Atlanta United following his current club's appearance in the Club World Cup. So that would be 
at the beginning of January, he's planning on joining Atlanta United just in time for Atlanta United to um, enter the CONCACAF Champions League because they just won the MLS Cup. So shout out to Miguel Amaro and Joseph Martinez and the boys. Um, so he says that, right? Which, okay, whatever. Boys. But what people don't know and what a lot of English people especially don't know is that in MLS, you have three spots for designated players. And right now, those spots are, for Atlanta are held by Miguel Amiron, Joseph Martinez, and Ezequiel Barco. It's already been reported for a while that Atlanta United have agreed in principle to sign Pity Martinez for $17 million U.S. million. And Pity Martinez has now confirmed that he will be going to Atlanta United this January, which means that one of those three designated players has to be sold in order for Pity to join the club. Yeah. So, a, I mean, that's 100% accurate. <laughs> and, and the thing is, and Darren Needles has been playing that he's not in a rush to sell Miguel Amiron, but he's in a rush to sell Miguel Amiron. Joseph Martinez has already declared that he wants to stay at Atlanta United for as long as they want him, which essentially means he wants to stay there forever. Ezekiel yeah. Barco is not getting sold. He not only didn't play like 15 games, but it wasn't that impressive. He also was just bought by the club last season, which leaves the guy who's been linked to leave and the guy who's going to be worth the most who can cover your cost for signing P.T. Martinez, Miguel Miron. So it's just something to monitor. It's, there's a lot of saying like, hey, Miguel might not get sold by Atlanta fans, but no, he's getting sold. He has to get sold for this whole contingency to work. Um, everyone's kind of depending on the sale. So I'm just going to say I think they're going to be desperate to get a deal done. That's all I'm going to say about that. I don't know. Yeah. So, and then his his father said, "I have the direct quote." Oh no, I lost it. No, what I read was the direct translation from Roberto, who speaks Paraguayan Spanish. So I'm just gonna, yeah. I'm gonna go with him. Okay. Everyone else has okay. been essentially saying the same thing. They've all changed their their wording. Some of them have just like we did, just tweeted out the Google Translate version of what he said. Okay. But Okay, I trust perfect. that Roberto translated it well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, did you see uh, – this is a little side note, but do you see the picture that Roberto took in Miguel's home of him and Miguel Almiron? No, I did not. I know that he's in Paraguay right now. Yeah, about to he, go to Paraguay. he took a picture. It's, it's in somebody's home in Paraguay, and I think it's Miguel's. It's, him, it's Roberto and Almiron, and they're in somebody's bedroom. Oh, I just saw that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if is what he had. Like, he knows. I mean, I don't know. Just which, I, okay, which he did tell us off the record, but he's now made oh, it yeah. on the record. He told us this before we interviewed him the first time. He's close with the Almiron family. But, yeah, it's actually really funny. Yeah. Also kind of an awkward picture, but I, I like it. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're just having a good time together, just hanging out in Paraguay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So that that's the news. I and you know when I don't know. There's a t- the reports coming from all different directions. It's true. All, everywhere. I'm just connect- that's and all I'm doing is connecting the dots. That's but, all I'm doing. Well, yeah, and and that's what Roberto was doing, and that's and you're hearing it now. Like there's there's going to be many offers for Miguel Amaron, but his father has said like it's Newcastle's to lose. I mean that's essentially it. Like it's Newcastle could have him if they want him. Yeah. And so and that opportunity is there. So let, I mean, I'm just, it, and, and oh, you, like the, I would so say this and it's one of those things where it's the, the, 
it's not the proof isn't it's just like you got to think looking at it critically look at the teams who are interested in in him initially you look at who in the premier league still has money theoretically and like newcastle should be the team that could offer the best sort of situation for miguel um getting him playing time under a manager he respects and you know actually would be willing to spend money on him that's like that's the big thing is that like as much as if Wolves wanted him, Wolves just spent a ton of money. West Ham just spent a ton of money. Fulham just spent a hundred mil. So all these kind of mid-table clubs that are also would be interested in Miguel, they've spent a lot of what they're supposed to have already spent. Yeah. And look at all these top, these top-tier clubs who were interested in him. It's not. It's now. It's going to come down to playing time. Does Miguel want playing time? I would imagine he does. Do they even think that they need him anymore? Considering that all those clubs that we're rumored to him in the beginning, are all doing extremely well now with extremely good midfielders and uh, this amazing amount of depth out of nowhere. Like, Arsenal yeah. are ridiculous right now. Tottenham are ridiculous right now. Yeah, you and, know, I, don't know. I mean, he and he might be – he could – I don't think anybody's going to argue that his upside could be a starter at one of those clubs. Yeah. But, but are they going to, I guess, give away the, like what they currently have – like Tottenham, Tottenham or, or Arsenal for an MLS, a good MLS player. I don't, I don't think they'd even try. Are they you know he'll play him. Rafa will play him. Yeah, and that's the thing is that, like, there's guys who they've signed. I mean, a lot of guys at big clubs who, who's, who get signed, and they're coming from, you know, starting in Serie A to coming off the bench in the Premier League at clubs at the caliber of Arsenal and at the caliber of, of Tottenham. So it's like – you're coming from the MLS. I don't know if you're going to get that start that, you know, you desperately want or get that opportunity you desperately want or even get that opportunity, honestly, because there's some guys who they made their debuts as substitutes like 10 games into the season. So, I don't know. It's it's an interesting conundrum to be in. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. That's enough about Miguel. Uh, just know that Atlanta's in a position right now where they, they kind of need to sell one of the designated players or trade one of the designated players which I doubt they're going to trade any of them. I would imagine that they sell Miguel on their own. Um, and if what his dad says is true, and we <laughs> all believe to be it's true, it's his dad, um, they've got to do it. And they've got to do it within the next six weeks, um, to be honest. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I absolutely love it. And now let's get into our match review. So today we're only doing a review of the Wolf ma- Wolves match. We're not going to do a preview because we'll do that for you later in the week. So we're just talking about this match. And, you know, I, I'll say it was a good match overall. Uh, it was a bad ending as we lose in, a, in the most Newcastle way possible to one to Wolves at home. So let, let's get into it. Um, I, I just want to hear, I guess, your idea on it, Elijah, with the starting lineup. What what are your thoughts on on how that happened? I hey like the five in the back. I can't complain. I was yeah. a bit shocked to see Share dropped from the team. Like I think we talked about, it. he didn't have a, a great game, but dropped from the team completely was something that yeah. I was a little confused and concerned about. And my concerns were were validated later on. We'll get to that. But, but yeah, um, five in the back wasn't really mad about the formation at all. <laughs> yeah, so it was a. Uh, I think I said five two two. Yeah, it was a five two two one with a three yeah. four. 
three type of thing. I think that's how it was. Like five two two one three four three switch, and then Perez and and Atu were shifting wide in defense, which was making that formation. So you had uh, was Richie was left wing back and like Perez and like Rondon was up 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 front by himself, and then like Perez and Atu would like be right behind him essentially, and then they would they would become wingers in defense guards and wingers am i am i explaining that correctly yes no that's right they sat behind him and they became wingers when we sat back to defend to cover the base out wide yeah so which was needed because for some reason wolves were just they sent like four guys attacking at some points in the game so you kind of need as much cover as you could yeah so let's get into the match a little bit. Um, it was interesting that Rafa went back to Fernandez as a central of, of the three. He had Lascelles switching to right center back, but in the midweek, Lascelles was center. And that, we'll get to it, it, was, it's, it could have been an integral part of this match. So Fernandez had a really tough time with Traore, um, especially early on. There was, a, there was a multiple instances where Traore – Am I saying his name right? Treore? Treore? Treore. You guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, He was just bossing Fernandez early on. I think think it got closer to a draw by the end of the match, but early it it made um, it it paid its dividends, and it happened. Uh, LaSalle's tripped Jota inside Newcastle's half, and Mike Dean gave him a talking to, and we had – a string of fouls going on and that just led to one of the worst shocking defending displays that I've seen. Um, but nobody at, at, you know, that free kick happened and nobody picked up Jota in the back post. He ran off the back of LaSalle's Yedlin kind of waved him off and LaSalle's paid no mind to it. And Jota had time to control it on his chest, which should never happen, which should never happen in the premier league is you, from across, you get time to control it off your chest. That's absurd. And he puts it down and fires it to the back of the net. Uh, Dubrovka almost saved this, by the way. Yeah, and I think it was – and I, I wrote this in our in my review. I think he just hit it so – because he got handled and everything. He just hit it so hard that, yeah, like, that didn't it, matter. He hit it, like, perfectly. And, and yeah, <laughs> when you have time to get it down with your chest, I, you can uh, – That is <laughs> purely embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, what's your what's your thoughts on that? Like, just I know you were talking a lot about the Yedlin Lascelles exchange there, so give us some insight there. Yeah, it it was very obvious that Yedlin was like shouting. It wasn't like a gentle wave. He was like shouting, like pick up, pick up, pick up. That's what it looked like. And uh, because Yedlin went out to cover another runner, I don't know who it was who was coming in behind Jota. And Lascelles yeah. kind of stepped forward, stepped a little closer to Jota, but didn't follow him. I don't know what he was expecting Jota to do. Like, I, I don't know if he was expecting Jota to not run towards the net because, like, I don't know, he's a striker. So I, yeah. I don't know <laughs> what he was expecting. But uh, Lascelles stepped a little, <laughs> he stepped towards him and then just, like, did not track him at all. Oh, uh, and, and by the time he started tracking him, Jota was, it, Jota was like, three steps ahead of him and onside. So, uh, yeah, it was just – that one purely falls on the cells. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, it was uh, – that was bad. <laughs> yeah, it was ugly. 
and we're we're immediately down 1-0. And that's what that's what Wolves is trying to do. They wanted to score early in this one. And they I mean, I think I yeah, I did. I tweeted it's like is Wolves do Wolves have four up front right now? Like and, and that's what it looked like. They were I don't even know what to call the formation, but it seemed like at times they had four attackers. They were like desperate to get that first goal. And this one was in the 16th minute. Um, so it's exactly what they were looking to do. But it didn't, didn't last long. So it was – so we had – Richie was – Richie had the ball. So this is a little before our goal. So Richie had the ball, and he was kind of away from the goal, goal on the edge – of the box, like his back turned to it. And he laid it to Key, who played a pretty nice pass to Perez. And then he was like upended and we had a free kick. So it was like 20 or so yards out, like pretty central. And then Rondon stepped up to the ball and beautiful curled kick rattles underneath on the underside of the bar. And it it's like half cleared by Wolves. Uh, and it was clear to Rondon, who then curls another beautiful cross to Perez, who is the goat of flick-ons, and he flicked it to the back of the – or he flicked it over Patricio. Another – like, he has two dime-piece headers this year that are goals, Perez. So I will yeah. – I'm going to give him props, which is awkward for me and uncomfortable, and I don't like it, but I will do it. Actually, well, I don't want to say I don't like it. I, I love Newcastle, but – it's uncomfortable for me. <laughs> yeah. And it was an amazing goal. I mean, Rondon, holy crap, what a player. And Perez to be able to I mean, I mean, that's not easy to do, those flick on headers. And he gets a perfect touch on it, beats a great keeper. It's a it's a great header. Two great crosses back to back. It was a deserved goal for Newcastle in the twenty second minute. Yeah, and and just, I don't know if Perez, I think Perez is trying to get back to that master flicks title because don't forget he did miss three chances <laughs> two matches ago. So, um, and like I think two of which were headers. I don't remember, but it doesn't matter. Uh, it was a good goal nonetheless. Uh, I mean, and that was all Rondon. Uh, just a lot of shots that hit the crossbar uh, this match that were yeah. just like just absolute worldies. But uh, anyway. Yeah, that was a good goal. <laughs> yeah, I have to say, like, Rondon was amazing today, and we'll get in, in, more into that. But to have that, like, two just – I mean, Rondon doing free kicks now, maybe? Uh, I was a little shocked. I was, I was, I thought it was a decoy, but if he's going to do that, I don't hate it, honestly. I mean, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So that was the end of the first half. It ended at uh, 1-1. And I, w- I would just say it, w- it was definitely an entertaining first half. Both both sides were going at it. Uh, both sides were looking to counter. But I would say Newcastle were the stronger side. Rondon was really good. And I, I would give Perez a decent – like if I had to grade him on a 1 to 10, I would give Perez a 7 in that first half. Okay. I mean, he had a goal, so definitely. <laughs> but just like – just his play, it, it was decent. It was it – was, Decent and decent is like a six point oh or six yeah. and a half. So the goal boosts them up into the seven range. What do you think? I give Perez an eight for that. So oh wow. There yeah. we go. So second half. Um we it was interesting because we immediately saw Mankeo come on 
for Fernandez. Which is never a good sign. No. And then <laughs> the most concerning part was Yedlin moved to right center back and Mankio to right wing back, which proved to be vital. And now we – so the biggest problem is we don't have a natural ball player at center back anymore. I mean, you can't really say LaSalle's is. DeAndre isn't. Um, Karen Clark for sure. I mean. Yeah. Um, so it – and we, we were, we've been relying on that in our last few games for sure, and we just didn't have that. So it became an issue. Jota was making a lot of runs at, at Yedlin. It was just going back and forth, back and forth. And then all of a sudden, 53rd minute, just right at the start of the second half, it was – and it wasn't – Yedlin was almost in his natural position. But this one's controversial for sure. Yeah. He, he took an awful touch on the ball, and Jota – grabs it and gets around him and it looks like on replay so actually i'll tell i'll tell it two ways this is how it looked like live and this is what the replay showed so live it looked like yedlin took an awful touch jota took advantage of it got around yedlin yedlin pulls him down it's a foul but the ref gives him a straight red which you could argue for it's a soft red though i think i'm biased but on replay what you see is yedlin takes an awful touch Jota grabs the ball, and and as Yedlin comes back into play with Jota, Jota pulls his jersey, pulls him down, which in, in trying to avoid falling, Yedlin grabs Jota, and Jota goes down, and it's a straight red for Yedlin. What did you think on this set of plays? Because this is this obviously changed the game. Yeah, so I mean, I mean to go back to just I'm t- we're we're gonna walk back to halftime substitution for Fernandez. There was yeah. a lot Rafa could have done there. One dropping share. I, I always I just think it's weird to not have a center back on your bench, regardless of how many you start. There's always the op. There's always and this is this is like I I know and and I'm not I don't want to bring FIFA into this, but I'm bringing FIFA into this. I always yeah. have a center back and I always have a goalkeeper in my subs because. There's always that off chance, even though it never happens like in FIFA or even in real life, that your goalkeeper gets hurt or your center back gets hurt. And you don't want to be playing. That's like one of the positions where you really just don't want to risk playing someone who's not a center back there because yeah. you lose out on what not only physicality, not only instincts, not only just your play style, but it's, it's the heart of the defense. And you yeah. don't want to mess up. You don't want to have someone in there who's not experienced playing that position. That being said, there are other ways to approach losing a center back when you don't have them, especially when you have two fullbacks on, on your bench, one of, and each one who could play either side. At that point, if I'm Rafa, I don't understand why we're not shifting formations here. Um, I understand that the threat of Wolves going forward is dire, but I think you you and it was proven to be correct you take a bigger risk playing an out of center back person who's not used to playing center back at a center back position and that was deandre edlin who has literally never played center back ever like i've i've literally went back to see if he ever played it even when he was at akron and he didn't he didn't <laughs> play at akron he didn't play at tottenham not at sunderland not at seattle sounders he has never played right center back he's never played cdm either just in case anyone was wondering um, so that was mistake number one. So 
you could have gone, you could have either changed the formation or, and you kind of spoke to this, I know we don't have a ball playing center back, but if your goal is to just defend and get out of this now that you've lost your, your best and only ball playing center back, you could do what you've already previously done and play Paul Dummett as a third center back um, because we've already seen that this year and it worked out well. It worked out fine. Or you just sub in Paul Dummett and you go four in the back. <laughs> like you yeah. have, it's not like you have, you're tied to a guy who only plays left wing back and Matt Ritchie. You can just change your formation. So that was frustrating thing number one was like Yedlin should have never been put in that position to play right center back. Frustrating thing number two was Yedlin was clearly fouled beforehand um, and that should have been called back. And uh, this is this is like the American in me. I mean, we have VAR for a reason. If that had gone to VAR, they would have called back the whole thing because there was a foul before the actual foul and it would have been called back, blah, blah, blah. Um, so there's that. And then there's a whole, is this denying an obvious goal scoring opportunity? That's where it's iffy because I think yeah. that if we're, if it's, it's a very 50, 50 call and it's like, if it's, if it's going, if it's happening to us, which it never will, but if I'm, cause I'm an Atlanta United fan, we get a lot of calls. Like we get a ton of calls because we have South Americans who flop all the time and they're all tiny. So we get a ton of calls. <laughs> so like I've had calls, I've seen calls where I'm like, I could see why the other team is mad but I'm not going to be mad that they called it a penalty or that they called this a red or, or a yellow or whatever. Yeah. And so if, if I'm in the position of Wolves, like I'm not going to disagree with that. I'm going to say it's soft, but I'm not going to disagree with that. And I think that if Newcastle were in the same situation, we'd have the same conversation. In the defense of many Newcastle fans, um, Jamal LaSalle's was also back. So it was effectively a two-on-two because there was a guy behind LaSalle's, and LaSalle's was tracking back. So it was a two-on-two and then the keeper. So I don't know if it's a clear and obvious goal-scoring opportunity, especially considering from where Jota was attacking from. He was coming down he was coming down the, I guess the right side or left side, and he wasn't like a head-on straight at goal. It was like he could have cut in and shot, or he could have crossed. Cause there's a, so it was, I don't, it, that's, up, that's up for debate. But, but yeah, it's a soft red, but... Honestly, if I'm in a situation, I make the same call. But I only make that call because I'm an American and I know I have VAR to back me up. Yeah, and that that's the thing. We'll, and we'll get into that when we get to the quote segment. But it, it and I want to get into a little discussion about it too, which we will see uh, how both of us feel about what quotes were given. But going on to the match. So after, wait, wait, wait. I have, I have one. I have one. Yeah. Yeah. I just remember this. Uh, and I put this in the review, so if you want to look at the tweet, you can whenever that traps tomorrow, I think. Um, <laughs> someone someone said that uh, that it wasn't – it was it should be a red because it wasn't obvious goal-scoring opportunity because LaSalle's was far too slow to, to make an impact <laughs> the, the way he was playing. So, Oh, yeah. It was a goal-scoring <laughs> opportunity because LaSalle's was there. Yeah, like if it was anyone else but LaSalle's, it would have been a goal-scoring opportunity, but it was LaSalle's. So. Uh, I, I mean, I never thought I would ever say that, but, but true. true. Yeah. Um, all right, continuing on. Yeah, so immediately after the red card, some changes were made. You had Minkio became the now right center back, um, and Perez and Richie became the wing backs. So that was interesting, um, and I would say actually kind of worked. But Atu came back deeper into the midfield, and then Rondon was a lone soldier up front. Nobody was near him. It was just him by himself. Uh, so we kind of 
took it to him a little bit. It, it was back and forth. It was probably closer to 50-50 than anything. But um, there was a lot of back and forth play. Atsu was very involved, looked very good. Um, and then it was 76 minute, Wolves hit the bar. And we were caught from our own corner. Very concerning play, but it's the type of thing that happens when you're down a man. Is we, we had a corner, and Jimenez played a ball down the left. Man, Keo, like tries to get there, but he just absolutely destroys a shot towards goal. It smashes off the underside of the bar, and it didn't go in, thankfully. That's one thing. Dubrovka, just a few minutes later, made an amazing save. He, uh, it, was a, it was a shot from Doherty. It was, it was like a, another counter from Wolves, and that's what they were kind of thriving on, just having that extra man. But um, this is the, the talking point that I really, really, it, it was the thing for me. So Perez, like, so how do I describe it? Foley jumped up and elbowed Perez in the face. Like, that's how I'm going to describe it. Right? I mean, yeah. what, what else happened? Like, that's a, that's a penalty. That's a penalty. That's a red card. There, there is clear action. You've definitely seen it if you're listening to this podcast. And if you – no, you've definitely seen it. Yeah. It's Foley, also going to be in the, the review as well. I have a video of it. It's, it was bad. <laughs> he jumps up and he has both elbows tucks in. His, his left elbow then comes out and back into Perez, and it hits him right in the face. Perez goes down. It was like and, – and then the video angle that you can see on Twitter is Mike Dean staring at it, like staring directly at it, maybe 15 yards from it. No call. No call. It's in the box. It's a definite penalty. No questions asked. And it should be a definite red card by the rule of the law. Yeah. Uh, on this. I mean, and I'm sure you're going to touch on this in quotes, but I mean, Perez even said that he talked to Mike Dean about it, and Mike Dean was like, the yep. ball knocked you over, which is like, yeah. there is no ball <laughs> that is being swung in, especially one that's meant for someone to head that's going to have the force to knock you out like that. Like, that was, that was a very bad call. And, like, I mean, I think that we have been, because I, I think a lot of British people hated VAR because of the, awful experiment that they had with VAR. I think that was the last season. Um, but I know that our site has been very big proponents of VAR because we're all used to it. And it happened at the World Cup too. And it's happening in Champions League. And so it's like, I mean, and Premier League has, has announced that VAR is coming, blah, blah, blah. But like, it's moments like these, games like these, and this has happened already this season. I want to say it happened once or it's once or twice before where there was no call penalty and this no call penalty stuff happens to Newcastle legitimately all the time, like all the time. And I don't know. It's, it's getting ridiculous. I'm excited for VAR um, because I think there's more instances than not where VAR will help us. Like, yes, there's instances like LaSalle's had, he basically before the whole Yedlin red card, LaSalle's like body check someone. And that wasn't called for a foul. Like, there's, yeah. there's some situations where it's like, or like when Perez stepped on that guy and that wasn't initially called. Like, there's some situations where, like, yeah, VAR would hurt us, but there's also a lot of situations where VAR would help us. Way more than not because there's this bias against Northeastern teams like Newcastle for some odd reason. So, yeah. yeah so, um, Radon came on. 
I mean, sorry, Rondon came off, Hasselu to replace him. Kennedy also came on. Kennedy didn't look that great, to be honest. He definitely made some boneheaded decisions, but he wasn't on enough to really make an impact. The thing that did, though, were in injury time, and uh, it was the fourth of five injury time minutes, of course, and it was Perez who was attacking down the right, and he conceded possession. Wolves, they immediately countered. Jota fired. He fired a left-footed effort at Dubrovka. He can only he only paired it to the back post, and Doherty scores, which was the 94th minute win winner. Uh, it was a sucker punch, to say the least. It was extremely deflating. It was tough to see for a team, a, a 10-man squad that battled as hard as possible, and even could have scored a few goals to take the lead. They didn't manage injury time well. They have to pick themselves ahead of this next game, but it was deflating is probably the best word that I can think of. Um, and it was just tough seeing Mike Dean at all, and he was rightfully booed off the pitch. Your yeah, thoughts I mean, but, on by, by the few fans that were still there because as soon as that goal happened, there was a mass exodus. Yeah, and that's embarrassment too. <laughs> yeah, um, that's bad. And, yeah, and that's I mean, that's – especially after, like, you know, they battled from a 10-man. It, it was a very – like, that game could have easily – there's so many teams in the league that – and Wolves are one of those teams where it's like because of the way they play, um, you would expect that if they're up a man and they're going to keep piling on the pressure that, like, they could that game could have easily ended four one. Like it but Newcastle there were clutch saves by Dubrovka. There were some clutch defending, uh some clutch tackles that were made that kept it so that it was a two one loss. And so you have to be at least I guess grateful for that and you have to at least commend the lads on that and, and, and encourage them. But I mean, Graham pointed this out. Um it might as well have been a boycott because there was almost no noise. Excuse me. <laughs> Uh, like <laughs> coming from uh, from coming from the stands during that match, it was just a dead atmosphere, and yeah, it, it, I don't know. It was just it was sad to see. But on that last goal, uh, I have to admit, Lascelles could have stepped up on Jota, and uh, and Richie just I don't even know where he was, but he just was not. He was nowhere near uh, where he should have been in order to defend. Um, so it was, I think it was Richie. Yeah. Yep. I think so. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure he didn't get subbed off. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Richie. Uh, but yeah, he was like in the middle of the box, if I recall correctly. Just like nowhere near where he was supposed to be. But but anyway, yeah, we lost. Uh, let's let's move on. Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> to say the least, it was a tough one. Um, so to go into quotes, we have Rafa. He said. We need VAR right now. So if you see the incidents today, it's so obvious. The red card and the elbow in the face of Iosi Perez, we need VAR right now. The ball was far away, and he was close enough to see it. Oh, and he was close enough to see it was not a clear chance. He was pulling him. He was referring to Jota. And he, Yedlin, was pulling him. But I don't want to talk about that as it's so obvious. I think the team was doing well enough to win the game. It's very difficult in these situations. I don't want to talk about the referees as it's wrong, but it's so clear from the pictures. It's a pity as you have a city behind the team, these situations can kill your confidence. And he was asked about the elbow on Perez. He said, I will not talk about that. It's so obvious everyone can see. So your thoughts on that? 
Yeah. I mean, like, like well, I don't know what my thoughts are supposed to be. Everything Rafa said was correct. I mean, I think if you have VAR, you the the I think that call the red card is going to be still iffy. If he, I don't know if it's going to be called the red, it might be rejected to just like a yellow or something. But yeah. it's still an iffy call because, like, I think with red cards, it needs to be clear. Like, it has to be clear. Like that. Like, and I think especially now with the game, the way the game's being played. There's a lot of tackles and stuff that, you know, previously would have been reds that are now yellows. I think that the bar for red card is, like, so high uh, nowadays that, like, red cards need to be clear. And that was – if there was any kind of debate about it, like, in the slightest, it just makes it look bad on the ref. And it's another situation where, you know, referees are the only members of – of the sporting world that are never held accountable for their actions publicly um, in every league in the world, pretty much it's, you get fined for talking about the refs. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked Rafa wasn't fine. Uh, you get fined for even mentioning referees by yeah. name or anything. Yeah. Uh, refs aren't, they are not allowed to be interviewed. There's no comment on them. The only time like you have any commentary on decisions, it's put out by like either the league or, um, the referees union, and that's it. Like, there, no one else is going to talk about it. They're not going to take comments or questions on it. So it's just like, if players are held to this responsibility of like, okay, you make a mistake, we have to, we get to ask you about it, or we get to ask you like, what's going through your head when you, you know, stupidly foul a guy outside the box, or if managers can get asked, hey, why did you sub in a right? Why didn't you just sub in a left back and go four in the back, or why did you sub? Yedlin and put him at center back or, or why'd you move him to center back if they can get held accountable for their terrible decisions then like I don't see why refs aren't held accountable and this is like an ongoing thing in sports and it's probably the most annoying thing ever and I will yeah. say this refs are held internally accountable but it's like I don't know it's just it's really frustrating when it's like you just wonder what is going through the minds of some of these refs and even if they're hold held internally accountable it's 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 just like some of these guys who consistently make bad decisions somehow still have jobs and somehow get uh, called up to ref in the world, the world, the world cup. I'm looking at some American refs. Uh, Mark yeah. Guy. yeah. Like I just, there are some refs who you're just like, how are you even refereeing still? But anyway, it's a yep. hard job, but yeah, the VAR would a hundred percent make the lives of a lot of people easier if done correctly. Definitely is. So we'll move on to stats, uh, some red card stats. It's uh, 145 Premier League games since Newcastle saw an opponent with a red card. Um, that's, a, that's a long time. It was since that incident. So since that match, it was 20, January 2014 against Norwich was the last time an, an opponent had a red card against us. That was the 18th for red card for Newcastle since then in the Premier League. So just a little note on that. It's been 150 successive Premier League matches since Newcastle played with an advantage due to their opponents having a player dismissed. So, like, I don't know how to describe that one. Like a yellow, yellow, red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Because, <laughs> like, the other one is straight reds, and then this one's yellow, yellow, red, I think. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And then uh, 
Um, that was Iosi Press's 36th goal, 23rd in the Premier League. That takes him ahead of Laurent Robert, 11th place with Kieran Dyer, all-time Premier League list. <laughs> he has three more goals, Iosi Press, three more goals, and he will tie Michael Owen in 10th. I don't, this is amazing to me. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's ridiculous. Um, it's a seventh Premier League home goal of the season, sixth from headers. And um, that's seven defeats from our opening nine matches this season, which um, the for a 38-game season, 19 home games, nine is the most we've had. We've lost at home. So we're already at seven. So <laughs> fun, fun facts there. So 538 doing their predictions for the season. Um, our relegation percentage hasn't really, oh, it's gone up, but we've stayed in the position. So we're, we have a 31% chance of being relegated. Definitely the gap is closed. Cardiff has 35% chance. Southampton 36, Huddersfield 51, Fulham 56, Burnley 60%. For the season, they are having us, um, ahead of the teams I just mentioned, finishing the season at 36 points and being four points clear of relegation and safe. Um, all right. Who's your best player? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this one. Uh, oof. Um, you know, I'm going to say Rondon. Uh well, he created he created the two best chances of the game, uh, and I think he was outstanding in, in his limited opportunities to create chances and his limited opportunities to see the ball, um, especially when he was kind of left up alone. He did an excellent job, and, of course, he did uh, well tracking back to defend as well. Um, also want to give a shout-out to um, Iose Perez. Yeah. Just a um, shout out to him. Though. Yeah, I mean it's it's deserved. It is. It is. I I'm not gonna. I mean it, I hope he has a great game every every week. I wouldn't mind it at all. But um, so yeah, uh, for me, I do think the best player was Solomon Rondon. Um, now I'm gonna give props just to not pick the same one. I'm gonna surprise you and say Christian Asu. Which is not a surprise at all because oh, you said that he was good. Earlier. So that's why I was purposely not saying that. So it was we got to work on our synergy. Yeah, I purposely didn't say Christian Atsu for that reason. We're 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 too simpatico. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe right. once you get out west, um, we'll be better at this. Yeah, um, I guess. <laughs> uh, so who's your worst player? And you can't pick DeAndre Yedlin. No, I, I don't even think DeAndre Edwin was the worst player. I think that he made one mistake in a position he was never supposed to be in, and it was a questionable mistake. I think outside of that, Gedlin was fine. Um, I had no issue with him, with, with him the rest of the game, and I will be livid. And I didn't even look at this. I'll be livid if there's, like, Americans who are like, oh, DeAndre Yedlin, again. Like, why do we keep calling this guy up? Shut up. Like, he's, he's literally the only guy in, 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 the, uh, in, in the U.S. men's national team who's playing at the best league in the world. Like, shut up. Like, that is the dumbest thing. I'm tired of that whole DeAndre Edlin. He's, he's 
your best right back prospect. Shut up. Um, the worst player for me had to be Jamal, Jamal Sells. And I don't want to be like everyone's destroying him on Twitter, and, and rightfully so. He's looking very rusty, as we mentioned in our last our last pod, our last pod. Um, but I mean, he had two pretty bad mistakes, and he got away with a pretty bad foul that could have resulted in him getting booked. Um, it's just. Uh, and, and it does go without saying he is young. He's 25 years old, already has 106 Premier League caps, which is absurd when you think about that. I'm um, at 25. Um, but it, like, it, it was, it was pretty bad. And it, and it, I feel like he, I think he feels a bit of pressure to perform uh, because the team has done so well without him. Um, if that, and like, I know that doesn't make sense, but hear me out. I think that. He has to. I think he thinks he has to play, you know, much better or or whatever because he's fears of losing his starting spot for the first time ever. Because uh, he's kind of been without a doubt a starter, regardless of who we put alongside him uh, since he's been named captain. So, yeah. um, and this is the first time in his career where he's like he hasn't started games because we have better options. And I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't start the next game. Um, but yeah, so I think he's trying way too hard. Um, and I think that's biting him in the butt. He's just not himself on the pitch. He doesn't seem like anything's coming natural to him. And, uh, yeah, and maybe part of that is him playing right center back. I don't know. It just wasn't the best performance from him. Yeah. Um... Yeah, Lynn. No, I can't pick him. Uh, yeah, I say, you, can't, you can't make a rule and then break the rule. It, it, it's LaSalle's. Yeah, I mean it's like I, and the thing is like I don't think anyone else is bad the whole match like that's and that's the sad part is that like when you like when you know like I don't even think Diame was bad like Diame actually delivered the first cross and chance of the game yeah. people forget it was like a freaking beauty and Rondon had time to chest it and rocket it and it was saved but even Diame played well and LaSalle's just so bad yeah all right so let's move on to questions. Um, we are sponsored by Fubo TV. And I want you guys all to check this out because I've been enjoying it. It's fun. So why don't you guys go click the link in the podcast, sign up, and watch sports. Yeah. I mean, it's, it doesn't suck. It yeah. Doesn't suck watching sports. Seems so legit. Just go and do it. Do you have anything on Fubo TV? Um, I'll tell you this: if you wanted to watch uh, Nuke, I, I don't actually have anything on this. I, I, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> All right, <laughs> let's let's get in. Let's get to questions. So we had one from Don, former friend of the pod. Don says, "As Americans, would you be in favor?" And you can find Don before I read the question. Find follow him: S M C U L T R A. That's the handle. Um, S. McUltra. Smick Ultra. Yeah. S. McUltra. Um, as Americans, would you be in favor of Rafa bringing in competition for DeAndre Yedlin this winter? Um, I'm going to be honest. I mean, one, it's not going to happen. Two, I don't <laughs> think he deserves to – I don't think it's going to happen. I think it will happen. It won't happen until the summer. Um, Rafa said this at the beginning of last summer, which everyone forgets. And I wrote this so many times. And I was like, just – 
just so everyone remembers, one of the first things Rafa said, like he didn't say, he said, we need a striker. I'd like to have some more attacking players. And I would like to bring in some fullback depth, particularly at right back to challenge DeAndre Yedlin. Like he said that because he knows that. That's what I was going to reference, yeah. Yeah, like DeAndre has become, uh, like as DeAndre has definitely improved and has made strides, but Rafa wants to keep everyone on their on their toes. He wants no one being complacent with their spot in the starting lineup, which is, I mean, the whole reason Mikel Marino's not here anymore. Um, I wonder how he's doing. I know he got injured like as soon as he left, but anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I think it's going to happen regardless. I don't think it happens this winter, and I don't want it to happen this winter because if we're going to spend money this winter, get us people who are going to score goals and yeah. get us left back depth, like. In my personal order of like what we should be going after, it should be central attacking mid. Um, I don't know about striker right now because I think a lot of our issues with strikers might be resolved with the central attacking mid, but maybe I'd, I'd say after that left back because if Paul Dummett gets injured, which he will because he's older and it's already happened, it just seems like a position where we're screwed at. And then maybe striker, another central midfielder, um, because Hayden's going to get sold. So actually probably central midfielder before striker. And then wingers, because we don't have a proven winger that's going to be consistent off the bench. And then right back. Like, that's, like, so low in the pecking order for me in terms of needs for Newcastle that, like, I would be so pissed if we went out and bought a right back. I mean, even if we got a cam, I'd be like, we should have gotten a left back or we should have gotten another striker or I don't know. So, so yeah, or another central midfielder at least, because Hayden's going to be gone, and we need another destroyer type that can kind of retain possession. But anyway, yeah, that's that's what I have to say about that. I think it will happen at some point, just not this winter. Okay, yeah, and I, I agree with that. I my, my thing, my take on it would be, like, you know, your, your favorite team, your favorite player, anytime he is replaced, it's not, it's not good. Um, you'll... The, you know, the, sports is a different animal. It's not. It's not like, you know, any other thing. Any other, like, it's not like the stock exchange. It's completely different because, like, you you just become attached for so many different reasons. And for us Americans, it's particularly unique because we have an American who's playing for the U.S. national team and Newcastle United. It's it's double for us. So yeah, to see him replaced, it would be difficult because you want to see him out there you want him to succeed um but would i be mad if we got a world-class right back who replaced yedlin no i don't <laughs> but even yes, think but yes. would be a world-class right back i think that like if rafa's i think it's just we just want I mean, they would have to be pretty good to replace yedlin i don't think and i don't think the goal is to replace him in Rafa's eyes. Well, I think Rafa well, just in, wants him to get in back. In Don's question. Okay, fair. It, like, say he was replaced. So that, I mean, that's that's what I, I'm trying. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's going to be tough. Is <laughs> basically my answer. Uh, it's going to be tough for me. But I, it wouldn't be bad for Newcastle. But I understand. It's I'm just saying. And I, I don't want to be the guy to be, well, actually. Don's question does say, would you be in favor of Rafa bringing in competition for DeAndre? Oh, I... So it's not just straight up replacement. I I misunderstood. It's okay. Competition? No, I wouldn't be upset. 
No, I don't think anyone would be. I just I would be upset if it was this winter. That's my caveat. Yeah. Because and like there's you so said, many other it's things. even been stated that that was yeah. happening at some point. Well, that it was. I mean, it was supposed to. Yeah. <laughs> let's 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 be real. It was supposed to happen. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I don't All right. Know. That just makes me mad. Okay. Oh, now we have before the you get on to Trevor's question, Ben has a question. Okay. Uh, it's not even a question. It just said, and we kind of did this already. But it says, talk about Yedlin playing center back. And here's what I have to say about that. I hope it never happens again at any level. Um, not because Yedlin is a bad right center back, but because Yedlin is a bad right center back. And he's also too small to play that position. And he needs to be going forward. That's what makes him a good fullback. He's not a good fullback because he defends well. He's a good fullback because he bombs forward and makes the other fullback work. Uh, um, so, like, putting him at a center back would just kind of take away one of his most, uh, I guess, useful elements uh, as a player. So, that, that's all I have to say about that. All right. Now we're on to the GOAT, the official questionnaire of Coming Home Newcastle CHN Radio. Trevor Mooney, you follow him at Trevor Mooney 12. Newcastle United and Atlanta United play a final in Reykjavik for my heart. Both managers are pissed drunk. Miggy plays half with both teams. And CHN Radio hosts, oh, us, and yeah. the CHN Radio hosts, the best hosts in all the land, are the refs. Who wins? One, I'm not in shape enough to be a ref right now. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> <laughs> so it's um, going to be plus, one hell of a game. Basically. Yeah. What is a Reykjavik? What is that? Is that where it's, it's capital of Iceland? Oh, that that's a rant, weird flex, Trevor. <laughs> weird flex. <laughs> it's neutral site, as neutral as it gets. That is very neutral. Um, okay, I'd say Atlanta United wins. Uh, yeah, because I think they're they're just right now they're in better form than Newcastle. Three I say, wins or whatever. I don't know. I say Newcastle United wins. Okay. One because I'm refing and I don't I don't like Atlanta United. So I'm, well, I'm, I'm also refing. So and I want Atlanta United to win. So and our back line is better than Atlanta United's back line and Mickey and Rondon pretty deadly. Okay. I'll um, play that with Joseph Martinez and Mickey. Yeah, but Yosef Martinez on Cher and Fernandez. Different ball game. Fair. 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 This is also a guy who broke his nose during a match to score a goal. Yosef Martinez. Against, like... No, granted, he ran into the keeper. But, like, I just want to <laughs> say, like, he has no issue, like, going up against anyone and just, like, throwing his body on the line. Which... It's, it's Newcastle United. That's fair. But I'm going to say this. I'm sending off every player, and I think you're sending off every player, straight reds for, like, talking to the ref or something until we get, like, a Michael Parkhurst versus, like, Jamal LaSalle, just, like, one-on-one. All right. Them and the keepers. That's going to be In a fight. Arthur Blank or Mike Ashley? Gosh, that's tough. It's Mike Ashley. (laughs) It's definitely Mike Ashley. No, but, okay, Arthur Blank... He uh, he uh, he hammered down a golden spike, uh, like one of the matches, 
and I was surprised that he was able to like lift the sledgehammer. Yeah. So that gives me a little bit of that does <laughs> help. A bit of hope. But I imagine Mike Ashley get really drunk, and that could go bad quickly. You know, it's crazy. Arthur Blank has like I don't know. Does Mike Ashley have a wife? That's a great question. Because Arthur Blank has a wife, and she's attractive. But just saying. Uh, so he had he, a wife I, from 1988 to 2003. And are you, are you telling me that someone tried to remove themselves from Mike Ashley's toxic life? <laughs> <laughs> All right. But, yeah. So, yeah. yeah I, I think that Mike Ashley would win because he's younger. But also, if Arthur Blank, like, put a plate of spaghetti out, like a pizza out. Oh, he'd have to – it's, like, have to be a bear <laughs> trap. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be tough for Mike to resist that. You know, yeah. he loves his Italian. <laughs> All right, well, do you have anything else? Um, um No, uh, I'm excited for uh, this. I'm honestly excited for the for the next couple of weeks. Um, I think pretty much our whole site's going to be, be bustling with uh, – content as yeah all of our writers are now like except for greg uh all of our writers are now going to be on like school breaks so we'll just be bored and all we'll be able to do is write so uh i know that i'll be writing a lot of stuff merge is going to start writing ben might even chip in uh maybe we'll see the return of chris mcclin who knows and i know that you'll be done moving next week so we might see i'll be i'll be in a hotel for a few months it seems oh or at least a month um, it's, it's just until I find a house really. So, oh, okay. Um, but I will be at least in my destination <laughs> of living. So, well, I'll, I'll update you as we go along. You will find us next episode. I'll be in Memphis, Tennessee. Elijah will be in Tallinnasty. Wait, when do we, when are we recording our next episode? Thursday. I'll be in Atlanta. Oh, of course. Yeah. So you'll be I might dri- I'll just drive to Memphis, dude. Yeah, just come on up to Memphis. Six and a half hours away. <laughs> Six and a half hours plus the four and a half hours at the tooth and Tallahassee. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We're getting out of here. Give us a follow. Shoot us an email at chnradio and ufc at gmail.com. I'm Greg Troxel. He's Elijah Newsom. This is Brayton Blayton Races. And boy, the lads. Factory and up to the job in a day. Just can't do to the railway bridge, the bus will flow off there. The lasses lost the crinolines and the veils that hide their faces. I got two black eyes and a broken nose and gammons that bleed in races.
twenty on the bus, man, who that danced and sung. They called on me to sing a song, and I sang the Paddy Fagan. I danced a jig and swung me twig the day I went to bleeding. The blade and tune, the bellman he was carrying there, they called him Jackie Broom. I saw him taking to some chips, and then he was persuading the Gamsey Jordy Ridley showing the mechanics how it bladed. Johnny had a white hat on, they yelled, we stole the cuddy. There were spice dolls and monkey shows, and they had white selling ciders. And the chaps were having his own devotions, and no more lads for riders. Oh, no. 